0: Four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden, and I am with. Purple And we are here. It is the first week of August, and after a couple weeks off, he was doing some amazing things, uh, 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 getting out there and doing great things in upstate New York. We have our friend and 27 brother, Matthew Maxwell, with us once again. Maxwell, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Doc. Glad to be back.
0: Good, good, good. Well, we definitely missed you. Um, so, we are here. Actually, we're we're now. We've had Maxwell on. We've been talking about Ukraine and the ongoing war there. But this is actually a big National Security Week. We have the ghost of conflict past, the ghost of conflict present, and the ghost of conflict future all happening at once. So, let's go ahead. We're going to start with the ghost of conflict past. On Saturday, uh, Al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri was killed by the CIA in Kabul in a drone strike and uh, putting a bit of a capstone onto the, uh, the global war on terrorism. Uh, you know the um, Zawahiri as Bin Laden was killed in two thousand and eleven, uh, and Zawahiri has been at large, you know, ever since September eleventh. So, um, but he's gone now. He is no more. So, Harp, let me open it up to you. What do you think about the death of Zawahiri? I mean, that's good news, America. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: we've had him in our crosshairs for twenty something years, mm-hmm. maybe longer. So, I mean, it's
0: just uh,
1: everybody
0: who was involved. You know, we got to know that their times. Just wait it out. Mm-hmm. We don't forget. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think it's a good news. That's actually a good news story.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. Maxwell, what are your feelings? Yeah, I would have to agree with Hart. But you know, it's one of those deals where. know what al-qaeda and all that had their tentacles in over the years like it's 27 years later and you know it's it's a win it it took a while to get there but we got there uh and through the years these guys have branched out and done different things you know like the haqqani network started up after al-qaeda and and how much these people have influenced other groups that we've been fighting. So, you know, it's uh it's definitely a win. Definitely a long time coming, and, and it's good stuff.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys both said. I think that, uh, and Harp, you're right. The the you know, a lot of these guys who um, have been operating are you still uh, you know we still have intel on them they're still in our crosshairs um i don't know if we you know we're not going to launch um you know drone strikes against uh, all the small guys but yeah no this just goes to show that the cia is still you know still effective still operating uh you know still able to do work and i think it'll keep those guys on their toes and and you know so i've actually i'm gonna loop in a, a a bit of a larger commentary on Afghanistan, you know, um, one of the things after the um, the war ended last, so I'm calling up on a year now that the war ended, um, you know, one of the things that I kind of uh, uh, predicted, one of the things that's kind of sadly came true is that, you know, the world kind of moved on from Afghanistan. I think it was, an, I, I think it was inevitable that uh, eventually we would, um, but, you know, um, it, it's, it's, the, the situation in Afghanistan for the Afghan people is still very, very grave. And the fact that the Taliban is, um, you know, housing people like Zahiri just goes to show that maybe, you know, at the moment, um, they may be, uh, you know, trying to run the country peacefully and, uh, you know, um, uh, try to administer it um, in a way and, and not, drag, um, you know, drag it back into conflict with the rest of the um, rest of the world. But, you know, the fact that, you know, Zahiri was there just goes to shows that, you know, a tiger can't change its stripes. I mean, uh, the Taliban is the Taliban, is the Taliban is the Taliban, and is always going to be the Taliban. And uh, while they may not be um, you know, uh, supporting Al-Qaeda and other organizations as they uh, are supporting Al-Qaeda and other organizations to Um, you know, uh, operate abroad. Uh, You know, it's terrorism still in their DNA, and, uh, you know, I think that this really, um, uh, you know, is a bad omen for the long-term, you know, health and stability of Afghanistan. Because how many more guys are there? You know, that's my question. How many more guys are there? That's
1: what I was going to say. There's, like, I hope this goes to show the rest of the world that those people are not that stupid as we try to make them... I think everybody believes they are. I mean, they can run and hide for twenty something years, and I mean, this ain't the end of that ugly head I mean, Taliban—they're going to regroup. They'll show themselves again one day.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: But they've been doing that. They've been doing that since forever.
0: hmm Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Those people aren't. Uh, I mean, they can hide hide them for as long as it takes. I guess we'll we'll seek them out.
0: We'll find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Maxwell, let me, let me ask you. So now that we're almost a year out, um, you know, how have your, um, maybe some of the things that you've thought of uh, you know, at the end of the war with the U.S. pull out, you know, how, how much of the, the things that you were you're thinking about have come true? Was there anything that was unexpected? And kind of, you know, what do you see the state of play of Afghanistan right now?
1: Well, I would say, like, especially with recent events, I think this is the way we should have played Afghanistan for a long time. Like, uh, you know, a year ago we were talking about the failures there and us trying to do nation-building, and that's that's never going to work because there's a huge cultural disconnect. But, like, the small war CIA-driven, ops against terrorists, like, that's how it needs... That's how it should have been prosecuted from the get go. So, like, you know, this kind of this kind of targeted strike to Al Qaeda's number one guy now uh, is exactly how this how it should have played for a while. Like, I think we wasted our time for years. Uh, and I was actually quite surprised with the pullout we had in Afghanistan. You know, I didn't know how much of a presence we had with the Taliban in charge. Like, you know. How's the CIA operating in there? You know, didn't know how that one would work. I thought it would be kind of akin to North Korea where we have just zero mm-hmm. eyes on the ground as far as what's going on there, but apparently I was wrong. With that, but I'm just, you know, a retired guy, armchair quarterback. so what do I know?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was very surprised uh, by that as well. And I, you know, gosh, for the, I really have to give the CIA a hand because I mean they've been doing great work in Ukraine um, they still yeah get still are able to get at these guys um, you know in Afghanistan are still able to operate um, and, you know still able to project power so I was actually um, yeah kind of pleasantly surprised and um, would I know I'll never <laughs> I'll never be able to do it and they'll never accept it but if I could shake the hand of um, Whoever authorized this op, I would because they, um, yeah, they seem to, they, they're pretty good. End up.
1: You know, I think hey, this one's been going on for a while,
0: though. Yeah. I don't know
1: how many years it took to get inside that, that circle.
0: Yeah, I did read one article, and um, this particular attack, uh, they've been planning for a couple months. Uh, they have been watching um, him for, uh, at, at le- or this area, at least um, since around the time that um you know uh, last year when the, you know, the war ended so um and i don't know i i i didn't i, you know, I didn't read when I, I read i didn't read anything about where he's been for the last 20 years so i don't know if he's been in pakistan or if he's been probably him i'm sure that's where he was because we were all over afghanistan but um yeah i don't know i didn't say about where he you know where his whereabouts were for the last you know uh, 20 years uh, since he since he left but you know, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of stuff will start to come out in the next couple weeks you know what I mean so um, yeah and you know the it was but there is one thing that um, that'm I, I just so I just read the news today so I'm still kind of um, you know processing but there is a part of me that was kind of um, I don't know if bittersweet was quite the right word but like um the, I know that this news is great, and it's wonderful, but I think most people in the U.S. are just going to kind of give a shrug, because it's over, and um, that, there's two sides to that. On one hand, it's over, and you know, we've moved on, which is good, because um, you know, we need to, but on the other hand, um, you know, <laughs> there's still bad guys out there, and there's still, I you know, I still feel like, Afghan, we just, we, we left, and we didn't finish it, and we didn't finish it right, and there were, you know, Maxwell, you're, you're, I, I completely agree with you when you say that from the get go, um, this, it, you know, this is how we should have operated. It should have been, you know, the CIA doing clandestine operations, special ops, and we should have never, um, invaded. So on one hand, um, you know, the war had to end, but then I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just a sentimental part of me that's like, um, just, you know, a little sad that nobody cares anymore. You know what I mean? But, um, Yes, I don't know if you guys have any any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I do. I am just, I mean, we all saw that war getting just poorly executed, right? So, with that being said, for a long time, you know, we, I was tired of it. I imagine a lot of other people were too, because you know, it, it's mismanaged, and we're just basically. We're, we're trying to do something that, try to do something like Establish America Part Two over there, right? There's a lot of the programs with, you know, rebuilding, right? The clear hold build and transition strategy was not working. Uh, that's a condition based strategy with a timeline. Uh, now, granted, that timeline, was abandoned, we were there for years on end, but, like, no president knew how to pull out of that thing. And uh, we were just, you know, guys were dying for nothing, right? Like, because there's no clear strategy. We went, when we went into Afghanistan, it was largely special forces supported by, you know, the U.S. war machine, and... You know there hadn't been the mission creep yet it was like we're going to we're going to target and get these guys that are responsible for nine eleven. when we started mission creep into to this let's set conditions and let's do all this other stuff and and, and rebuild the country like that was way like we opened the aperture way too too wide mm-hmm. and it just became you know a loss of blood and treasure um you know, for years, not for two decades, right? Like, ridiculous. Like, this sort of thing here, you know, we've taken down the top two guys of Al-Qaeda by, like, you know, keeping the aperture small and and doing, you know, precision, precision strikes, whether with, like, special forces guys or with drones. You know, you could have a large intel apparatus and work that way. And, yeah, there's probably a lot to be gleaned by you know getting embedded with the culture and figuring people out building that understanding but uh i think the the way we went about it's like okay you're not going to build relationships and and rotate every six months and keep those relationships so we're constantly hitting the reset Mm -hmm. button for 20 years trying to pull this plan off that that never worked right so um that's how I feel
0: about it. Yeah, you know, twenty—I mean, twenty years is a lot of hindsight. But i, I do remember uh, at the time in uh, you know late two thousand one, the thinking was that you know uh, after the uh, Soviet war in Afghanistan, um, you know the country, every the world just abandoned Afghanistan, and um, you know Al Qaeda and the Taliban. Well, the Taliban then you know uh, with uh, Al Qaeda later moved in to fill that power vacuum and uh, because it was a failed state and because this power vacuum existed, uh, you know, groups like Al-Qaeda were able to, you know, partner with the Taliban and then operate freely. So the thinking went, um, you know, the, the, the West's mistake was not supporting Afghanistan, um, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s when uh, the Soviets left. And we're not going to make that mistake again. If we just if if we were to go in and just you know kill a bunch of terrorists and you know um, wash our hands of it, even though although long that's what we should have done. But the thing was, if we just go in, you know, uh, kill a couple bad guys and uh, get the fuck out of there, then uh, the root problem of um, you know uh, this failed state of Afghanistan is not going to um, go away, and then it's going to be another. Um, you know, another group is going to come in and fill the point. It's just going to just be a, you know, a pers- like, basically like an open sore. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it just, uh, you know, after 20 plus years, or I well excuse see almost 20 years, um, you know, it's, it's, it, that's just, you know, nation building is really, 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 really hard. And we saw it, and possibly, maybe even impossible in certain circumstances. And we saw that uh, in Afghanistan and in Iraq. So, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. So, right. Yeah.
1: So my point to that is this doc, my mm-hmm. point to that is like, it is nation like nation building and that sort of thing. Uh, that by itself takes an awful lot. Like, you know, there was a lot of resources when, the, when they executed the Marshall plan, there was a lot of resources, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you take a look mm-hmm. now, where we tried to do this, the problem is the country wasn't on board, right? It was yeah. like, the America's not at war, the Marines are, America's at the mall. Yeah. So, if you're trying to do this monumental task, with a, you can't do it with a small footprint, and you need, like, the backing, like the stuff we pulled off in World War II, you have the whole entire nation behind that, right? You can't, trying to rebuild two countries simultaneously, Iraq and Afghanistan, where nobody even knows we're fucking there, yep.
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Uh, and, and you certainly can't do it when congressmen and senators, uh, you, you know, for political clout or whatever way the opinion poll rolls that d- day, threaten to cut funding, yeah. right? Like, you can't do... You can't take on that kind of operation. And you know what? Like, most of those people... Uh, that signed up for the shit, like, early on, like, when everyone was united after 9-11, it was, let's go get the guys that did this and that's it. Like, all this expanded other shit, and especially Iraq, which had nothing to do with it, was, was not what people signed up for. And, like, George Bush and those fucking foreign policy blunders completely fucked up the war on terror. Completely. Mm-hmm. Because you had guys in Afghanistan saying, we're getting resources pulled from us while well, we got Al-Qaeda leadership, you know, held up in the fucking Tora Bora Mountains, right? We had them. We were closing in the fucking news and we couldn't make it happen because this guy's got a fucking ego problem, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, yes, nation building probably could work if we had competent people in the fucking White House and if the fucking country knew that we're even fighting fucking wars, right? Like, so... Those are two things right there, uh, I think, are very important. Um, And then, like, from a counterterrorism aspect, you could do counterterrorism operations with a small footprint. Know this it will take you fucking 30 to 40 years, Mm -hmm. right? I think we talked about in the past, like, in Colombia against the FARC, that's the only successful fucking counterterrorism or counterinsurgency, rather. Operation in the twentieth century, and it took forty fucking years to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, and yeah, I agree. I agree. The one, you know, I agree with everything you just said. Another uh, uh, dynamic um, that's that's a, that um, was a little bit different with the Marshall Plan and just the post World War II reconstruction. I um, got a couple of different ones, but but the 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 one I want to highlight is that Germany and Japan were very different societies than uh, Afghanistan and Iraq you know what I mean and they both uh, Germany had already had a, a very small uh, 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 but significant history of democracy uh, Japan was industrialized um, it's weird it's almost easier to rebuild rich countries than poor ones because you already have the um, uh, some of the infrastructure but also the the, the societal infrastructure and the societal um, uh, uh a composition to to bring uh, um to to, you know, to revitalize an industrialized country so um yeah i it just it's in hindsight and you know i i have to admit at the outset of the war um uh you know i agreed with the premise that we have to rebuild afghanistan and that we can't um just let it sit as a um uh, you know a failed state because it, it's just gonna keep going but yeah, that analysis was incorrect. It was it was not right, and yeah, twenty years later, where you know we we see it. So, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, the,
1: the country itself has to want to be rebuilt too, though. Yeah, so, there's a lot of countrymen over there that didn't didn't. didn't yeah, didn't well, I think that there, goes. So. Yeah, I think that goes to what Doc's saying. Like you know, you had industrialized countries like Germany mm-hmm. and Japan, and these people they don't want. They don't want what we we're breaking. They're very comfortable with living fucking, you know, back in the
0: Stone Ages. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, in the U.S., let's just say, for argument's sake, there was a you know big war in the U.S. and, um, you know, every, the city, Rochester, uh, LaGrange, and L.A. were all leveled. Like, when we you know when when it uh, when it ends like we're going to want to rebuild uh, and build back to what we had we're not just going to be happy with you know stone fucking huts you know what i mean um and yeah the population of afghanistan just never reached that um you know uh, level of development um, that you know industrialized level of development and um yeah just didn't you know just, just, it just it just it just didn't work it just it just didn't work there you know our our strategy didn't work our entire mindset didn't work and it was just, you know, um, done. Yeah. And uh, and you know what? That is, before, before I move on, I have a great segue into our next um, topic. But do you guys have anything else to say about, you know, Zawahiri in Afghanistan? Maxwell Harper. He,
1: he, he's gone like we are. All right.
0: Yep. He's gone forever. Done. Done. And the very last thing I will say, it, it will be interesting to see um, how Al Qaeda um, continues, or if it continues to be relevant, um, I know that uh, they've they, over the last few years they've really been overshadowed by ISIS, and um, the two hate each other. So uh, you know maybe that's in the world's favor. We'll see. So. I think the person who hates this
1: news the most is probably the number three man.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. He's
1: probably like <laughs> shit. <laughs> now well, I got to step well, up. Spike up my
0: life
1: in Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, man. You know, the crazy thing is, you think about how long this guy's been hiding out, right? Like Harp was saying. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you, you probably never thought in a fucking million years you're getting taken out the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you know, you've got to wonder what was going through his mind when he seen that missile coming What? Reminds you of that like uh,
0: what was that, Na- uh, that movie where they dropped the bomb in his lap? What was that?
1: It's a funny movie, Naked Gun or something? Oh like yeah, 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 you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can picture that. The um, article that I read said that it, I guess he um, he was staying in a house in like sort of this exclusive part of Kabul, and I guess he went out to, he went on onto his sun deck and that's when they got him and
1: man, I was hoping you were going to say he went out
0: to take a shit ah, that would be great that would be great like <laughs> freaking, he got Elvis but with a bomb you know what I mean so fucking yeah nice no, yeah <laughs> but yeah we can, uh, go ahead oh uh, no I was going to say man I you
1: know you brought up the CIA earlier and I got to say man you think about the, there's dudes out there you know, we take this shit for granted, but there's people out there that are freaking putting in the work. Yeah, you know, that sacrifice. That's, That's what I was saying. This, this has been going on for years. I've been looking for this guy for twenty something years. Yeah. There's been a CIA team working this for that long. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah.
0: yeah, I. You know, I have to say I probably
1: multiple teams. I'm sure it got passed down like a a grandchild,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. I you know I. I I'm not fit to be in the CIA, but I do uh, every once in a while the fantasize and daydream about it. But I got yeah, I gotta say, man, yeah, they they, you're I'm these these dudes have been on it and um, yeah they're the, they're the best at what they do. You know what I mean? So all right, well let's move on to the ghost of conflict present. So as I was saying, um, the. People of Afghanistan, uh, you know, when we uh, invaded Afghanistan in um, late two thousand and one, I know that there was a huge sigh of relief among many people because the Taliban was just a it's a brutal government, and uh, uh, you know the um, uh, Islamic fundamentalists and ruled with an iron fist. And initially, I'm sure many of the people in Afghanistan. We're excited and happy that we were there, but over the ensuing years, as um, our occupation did not go well and was mismanaged, they uh, they slowly drifted back to the Taliban, and we got what we have now. In Ukraine, uh, the reaction against the Russian the reaction see the reaction by the Ukrainian people against the Russian government has been swift and. Near unanimous, they have. Uh, there has been no love for the Russians coming into Ukraine, and um, I, I think that I still, even though the the war has grinded on for longer than I thought it would um, when it started, uh, I do still think that um, nothing has changed for the Ukrainians' uh, mindset, and uh, that it's still over the long term a losing proposition for Russia. so Maxwell, let me open it up to you. Where are we at what have you been seeing and do you think that the trajectory has changed at all what's going on? Uh,
1: well, as far as that's concerned, I think uh, some of the weapon systems like the high Mars and MRS has gone over. It's really you know it's controversial. Not really controversial, but yeah, uh, you know, I I know the Russians really didn't want to see us the Ukrainians get that kind of capability, but now they have it, and uh, you know that, I mean that kind of that kind of artillery, that kind of precision, that kind of range, uh, definitely definitely is uh, wreaking havoc on on the Russians, and the Russians have taken some losses in the Wagner group. Uh, you know, some high level guys. Uh, they've taken quite quite a, a bunch of losses. I mean, we were talked about in the past. I mean, they've lost so much armor that they're pulling T 62s out of box Balls and trying to get them up there. Um, you know, they're just, they're in the meat grinder. They're in the meat grinder against the determined people that are trying to defend their homeland. Uh, and it's not easy, right? And even on the Ukraine side, there's a couple, like, the inept and and corrupt people within the Ukraine government, Zelensky's getting rid of them, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, you know, because he needs needs A-game players for this thing. And uh, some of the things of old, some of the logistics problems they have because of, like, the slow bureaucracy of the former Soviet bloc, that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's no place for it there. You know, the big the big hang-up, they're getting all this hardware in there and it wasn't getting to the front lines. there's a huge problem. Uh, the Ukrainians had to, like, pick and choose what they defended as a result of that, and they lost places like Maripol just by running out of, you know, everything. Um, you know, they... Uh, and I have to say this, Zelensky, man, you talk about man of the year, holy shit. But you know he's not playing. If you're if you're inept and you're in and you're on that team, you're no longer on that team. You have to go away uh, because there's no place you're trying to defend against Russia.
0: You know, I actually I was thinking about when when it's time when it comes time for um, Time Magazine to name Man of the Year, he is the one and only choice this year. Like absolutely, there's no like literally no question. If anybody else, like if anybody else gets it it's going to be a travesty because, yeah, he has really, really stepped up to the plate. So, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Harper, well, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, he, not only is he fighting a war against Russia, he's fighting, you know, the corruption inside of his own government. That's, you know, that sucks him. That really sucks for him. That just goes to show you wonder how long Russia's been planning this, uh, throwing some people in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got he's got a he got a war at home and
0: a war on the Butler. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, now that we are you know, five months and some change uh, into this, um, you know, I, I I am still surprised that Putin's hanging on and uh, you know I, I I really think that it goes to show the um, I don't want to say the rot inherent in Russian society, but just the um, the the way he was able to just completely gut the government and um, eliminate all meaningful opposition to him, because you know I remember we we were talking about this. Uh, you know we were talking about the court intrigue and what's going to happen and and who's going to be the guy to finally stab Putin in the back and. You know, they're they're all the oligarchs and all the people in power. There, it seems like they're their ships tied to his. It's it's and the there there's that and then the um, the Russian people have no say at all in this. And um, you know Putin and um, the regime are you know completely disconnected from uh, you know any accountability to the Russian people. So they could you know they could. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I, I, you know, the the thing that I was wrong about is that um, they could, Russia could go ahead and turn into um, basically like North, uh, 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 a continent sized North Korea, and um, it looks like Putin could hang on. So I, yeah, I don't know when this ends. That's the thing that I'm most surprised about. I don't really know. you know uh, what the end game for um i I mean i know the end game for ukraine is to kick the russians out and to just keep fighting and just to keep grinding them down but um you know russia doesn't um i i think that the the losses that um russia is willing to incur many more losses um or much greater loss than uh, you know other countries so you know uh maxwell what do you think about the dynamic and and how is this going to end
1: Yeah, I tell you what, like, I mean, largely, Putin and I isolate himself from the world, uh, and I don't know, the, like you mentioned, I don't know the internal workings within Russia, but it, it, it can't be popular, like, I don't know uh, what he's... How much he can hold on, and how long he can hold on, but it's clear as day that like the Ukraine thing is a failure, and the Russians are announcing that they're back to they're back to uh, the goal of taking all of Ukraine annexing all of Ukraine. Like uh, you know, hitting these like stalemates over in the east and and having their ass handed to them, uh, you know they're doubling down. Right, and it's like, okay, well, who knows what Putin has up his sleeve, and why they would make claims like that, or maybe they just make the claims and are pushing this narrative because they have to save face or they have to show strength, even though when it's clear that they don't have it. And now, like the Russians are <laughs> putting supportive messages messages to China to take military action against Taiwan. Mm, like, yeah. they're backing that up. So, I mean, they're putting themselves out there, um, and and really, like, you have to. I mean, you just have to think with the, with the exceptions. Who knows how much China uh, reciprocates that? But they're really alone on the island, as far as I'm concerned, right? And you know, that's just from my seat, what I'm seeing. You know, I think China's been backing them a little on the energy side.
0: It, it China it China has been um, offering support to Russia. I've read a couple of um, articles that it's certainly more than um, when the war started. I don't know. Uh, I I have, I have not read much recently about uh, their level of support, but, uh, but but yeah. I I I, I mean, Russia is still. Ostracized from Europe, so cut off from Europe. They were, you know, again talking about the as of two weeks ago, um, Russia was talking about cutting off Europe entirely from natural gas over um, the over the winter, which I think in the short term would really um, would 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 be a disaster for Europe. But in the long term, over you know over the next year or two, would be a kind of a disaster for Europe. But over the long term, as Europe, it would just uh, you know accelerate. Um, Europe's um, uh, uh, move away from Russia, uh, move away from, you know, are, they're, they're, you know, um, adapting more green technology and then looking elsewhere for natural gas. So in, you know, five years after Europe has transitioned away from Russian national gas, I you know, I don't know what Russia's going to do. Maybe they'll just sell it all dirt cheap to India and China like they've been doing, I you know, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, one thing I will give... Putin is.
1: He
0: might he, it does.
1: Was it? He might fill
0: it up. Uh, I don't think we'll buy. I don't think we're buying Russian natural <sighs> gas for the next twenty years. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. Um, uh, I there 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 is one thing that I will give. Um, uh, 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 I will give Putin, even though he's he's terrible at the long game. He is a survivor. Um, he is he's he's a terrible terrible at strategy. Good at tactics and. Um, you know, he's, the, the Russian government, I, I don't know, their horizon is maybe just a couple weeks, their, their forecast, uh, just, you know, hang on a little longer, hang on a little longer. I, you know, personally, I, I think that they, they're, they're definitely not playing this 4D chess game where they're, um, you know, uh, manipulating pieces throughout the region and playing Europe off it with all that stuff's bullshit. I think that they're, uh, just really surviving day to day and hoping to just, um, Adapt and just throw, you know, throw, throw different things uh, at the wall and see what sticks, and hopefully, and hope that it just comes out um, that everything works out for them in the end. Or if it doesn't entirely work out, that the regime is able to hold on to power um, long enough so that they get something that resembles a win in Ukraine and then go on for there. So um, yeah, that's kind of you know. That, that that's that's what I see going on with the Russian government right now, and um, they're they're hanging on a lot longer um, than I had given them um, credit for. But but I, I I will also say this, and I'm I'll, I'm rambling. I'll wrap this up. But I do think that when um, Putin finally does go, it's gonna be uh, really. It's gonna be fast. It's gonna take everybody uh, by surprise, and it's gonna come. Um, Without warning, and the only people who know are uh, who who know about it ahead of time are the people in the you know Kremlin who are the ones who overthrown. You know what I mean? Like we won't know. So, so agree. Okay. Yep. So that's that. So anything else about Ukraine before we move on? Anybody? All right. Good to go. Good to go. All right. So the ghost of conflict future. So today. Um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited uh, Taiwan in the highest-level American visit since 1997. Uh, China uh, reacted very, very angrily. First, um, in um, last week, uh, Xi Jinping had a call with President Biden and warned um, uh, him that, uh, you know, if you're going to play with fire, you're going to get burned by fire, which I kind of thought was... Um, a bit ironic that he was saying that uh, considering um, all of China's provocative moves uh, towards Taiwan but um, they I, as what I read today is that they the Chinese um, the the, people, the People's Liberation Army um, is beginning um, live fire exercises off of Taiwan. Um, I don't know if though the article I read said that they it's not clear if they're going to um, begin these exercises while Pelosi is still uh, in Taiwan or they're going to wait for her to depart. So, um, uh, tensions between the U.S. and China uh, seem to be escalating, though uh, to me it always seems like the, like this. But, Harp, let me open it up to you. Um, what do you think of Pelosi's visit to Taiwan? I mean, I hope it's not for, I mean, it's
1: good we're showing support to Taiwan. I hope that's uh, the meaning behind it. Uh, I mean, I know I've seen the China sanctioned some uh, Taiwanese companies are no longer allowed to import to, to China. So I'm sure that's going to just be the start of what they're going to try to start with that nation out of. Uh, as far as the exercises, I mean, this is to show a force long as it stays just an exercise and doesn't become a full-blown real thing, we shall see. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think it's just, you know, two guys beating their chest at one another.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Maxwell, what do you think?
1: I was saying, like, the the level to which China is protesting and holding these exercises is... uh. Is quite impressive, quite surprising as well, I guess, to say, uh, because of Nancy Pelosi's visit. I mean, you know, we've always done the cat and mouse, you know, the back and forth. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing it a lot. We would do a lot of exercises in South Korea to North Korea's, you know, protest of that. And, you know, we've always, Flown into each other's airspace between Russia and the United States during the Cold War, things like that, uh, and, and how large-scale exercise... In fact, the Russians hold a joint large-scale exercise with the Chinese, which is... which is always... You know, it, it always raises some alarms, uh, just like we do joint uh, naval exercises in the Pacific, which raises alarms for China. But this has, like, you know... Well, timing's not coincidental, right? Like it's like clearly in response to this visit, uh and that had been talked about, you know, for a while now of possibly happening. Uh so it is one of those things where we've talked in the past about, hey, China's China's gonna lay low, you know, Russia's kind of Russia's kind of uh taken the spotlight and really got a lot of people, you know, aligned against them. You know, we've had several episodes of this thing where we're like, yeah, you know, that was my thought. Yeah, China's not really going to, they're going to play it cool and, 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 um, you know, play the long game and, 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 and not get, uh, not get swept into the Third World War, but Jesus, man, I'll tell you, like those weeks, but... Yeah, that might be, uh... That might be a little too hopeful uh that they would have, you know, the cooler heads would prevail. Well, I mean, we gave them a reason to, to fire it up.
0: Yeah, it's... Well, it, it, if If I think that, um... It's not a question of if China invades Taiwan. It's a question of when, and I mean it might not be for another sixty years. I mean the three of us might be you know dead and in the ground before it happens, but I think it's going to happen at some point. And um, you know, I even though this is you know undoubtedly a provocative move by the U. S. It's the whether you know China invades Taiwan has nothing to do with you know any visit by you know any uh, American head of state you know what I mean or or you know or somebody like Pelosi who's not a head of state exactly but um, but yeah I you know it's I, I even though this particular um, military exercise I, I you know I don't think is going to necessarily be a, um, a prelude to um, a war you know one at some at some point one day they're gonna do one and it will be the real deal and you know, it's it'll be interesting to see. You know where the rest of the um, the rest of the world is with it. You know, is the um, the uh, uh, you know is it, how's the rest of um, how is the rest of Asia gonna feel? How because Asia, you know, it, not to go out too far a tangent, but Asia is in many ways like Europe in that they have um, you know this one large country um there's one large you know with a you know, the huge military surrounded by a number of smaller countries the difference between um you know um europe and russia versus china and asia is that russia is a relatively poor um and uh, a poor authoritarian country whereas china is a rich authoritarian country so china has more weight to um uh, throw around than um russia does but you know, at some point they're going to say, you know, today's the day, and uh, they're going to do it. And you know, as we've discussed before, uh, a, a full scale invasion of Taiwan um, requires uh, a huge going to require a huge um, military presence, um, uh, lots of logistics, and the world will see it coming. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 just like I said. I think it's just a question of. Um, not a question of if as much as it's a question of when and we'll you know we'll see and i it, right. it'll it'll be when it does happen it'll be interesting to see how cuz are interested to see how the us responds because uh, you, you know will it be the beginning of world war 3 will we just try to um you know essentially it's it's will it be like the porcupine strategy where we try to arm the shit out of taiwan and make it really hard for China to swallow them and, um, you know, bolster our partners like, you know, South Korea and Japan um, in the reason, you know, will that, will a invasion of, uh, a hostile invasion of Taiwan by China scare everybody else in Asia and push them into our arms? I mean, you know, these are all the things that, um, these are all actually, I, one thing I will give China too, China is considering all of this, whereas Putin um, I believe thought that he would just roll over in Ukraine and didn't do his um you know, his due diligence in terms of gaming everything out. Um the Chinese I think are almost overly cautious in some ways. They they the Chinese government values stability above all else and they really don't want to see the region um thrown into turmoil and thrown into instability. So um that's why I, it's like a- Yeah.
1: Yeah, like China's move. and Again, it's like China's move is your standard saber rattling, which, which to my point earlier was like I wasn't expecting. Right? Like mm-hmm. I thought that they would avoid that, given everything else that's been happening. But you know, in context, you know, not only is Nancy Pelosi over there, but there's a carrier strike group off yes. the coast of Taiwan, and that and that plays a, that plays a huge role too because. You know, the, the Pacific fleets out there in full force, uh, you know, so everybody's, you know, everybody's everybody's flexing and, and talking their shit right now, right? The t- the two big bullies on the block, um, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was saying. they, they just beating their two big boys, beating their shit on yeah. one another. Well,
0: yeah.
1: so, well, what yeah. gets me, though, is if is 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 China has been, uh, I mean, well, so pissed at you know Taiwan this and that. Why do they wait until Nancy Pelosi comes before they sanction them on something? I mean, what, why haven't they already done that?
0: Um, I think that it was a message to the U.S. and a message to Taiwan. And they—it uh,
1: was—it was more of a message to us than it is to Taiwan. I mean, what is there going to be some Chinese folks in, in China like? Oh, I'm not going to get my favorite cookies from Taiwan anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Or something, you know, is it going to piss those people off in China? No, yeah. I mean, it's just a message to us saying, you know, we're going to punish Taiwan if you come over here. And yeah. This is your fault, USA. It's not Taiwan's
0: fault. Yeah, and I and I think these um, these sanctions are relatively low hanging fruit that China can do um, that won't really rock the boat diplomatically. You know, because there's a there's a very interesting game going on with with all between all great powers, it was the same with us and the Soviets, where both sides are, um, how, how can I say, both, uh, in many ways, both, like, equally scared of each other and, uh, you know, equally don't want each other to succeed. But, they, but they, they, they both understand that they have certain boundaries that they have to, um, that they can operate within, and you want to, you know, piss the other guy off, but you want to piss him off too much, because then they might do something stupid and you might get sucked into a broader war or sucked into something um, or, or, or have a situation to escalate that's much, uh, much more difficult to sort of turn the heat down on. And, uh, you know, like Pelosi visiting is not nearly as provocative as, say, Biden visiting, you know, or even like Kamala Harris. That's what I was getting. I mean, I don't understand why they
1: punish over a Nancy Pelosi visit. I mean, now if a four-star general or something like that was coming over there, or, or you know, someone of that stature, I could see maybe ruffling some feathers. But Nancy Pelosi, I mean, I obviously I, well, I mean, right, but she's the highest-ranking member of the U.S. government that's been there since 1997. Yeah, you know, like you know, like Nancy Pelosi for as much as she's. she's a, just, She's the speaker uh, of the house. Um, she has no authority. Yeah, she, no, she's the I speaker. Mean, like she's military. Speaker of the house. No, this is true. But I mean, that's that's the military. But in terms of the U.S. government, you know, in the in the line of succession, succession, uh, you know, she, she's third in line, right? So, I mean, that's uh, that has some clout. Now, granted, she's a lush and uh, gives her yeah. husband <laughs> stock tips, and she's generally a piece of shit, but yeah. Uh, yeah. she's still really, so right? Well, I think... Oh, Take that's that's the, the, the time I mean, her, off of her, I mean... Her, her being... Yeah, yeah, her. her. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, yeah, I get that. Like, her being her, yeah. I mean, they got it, she's like... <laughs> a who, yeah, who, I who, would who gives a shit? She's like... She's the let them eat cake while she has her fucking... Yeah, fancy, fancy ice, ice cream in her ten thousand dollar fridge. But yeah. there's probably a there's a hundred and eight year old Chinese lady over there now not getting something that she's you know I'm Asian but, it's well, for. Huh, right. t- but she's still the speaker of the house, right? So that's like the it's it's the political office that she holds is the big rub, right? Uh and China needs a reason to be fucking pissed at us, so
0: Yeah. And you know, Harp t- to answer your question, you know, with this you know delicate um, diplomatic dance, uh, you know everybody knows that it would be very provocative to send Biden. So Pelosi is sort of the, the basically the number three person in government, um, but it's definitely understood that she was sent with Biden's blessing. You know what I mean? So uh, it, you know it's understood that while she you know she herself may not have. Um, Power to you know affect the military, affect certain things. She basically is speaking on behalf of Biden uh, and the US government, so that's why I think it's the Chinese see it as very provocative. You know, if like you or I were to go over there, like nobody, you know, they wouldn't give a shit, but like, um, you know, they the uh, uh, number three, like it, to send to send the number three is like, pr- I mean, probably the highest you could send. Um, without um, really, really, you know, tipping the, uh, 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 really try, forcing China to tip its hand. You know what I mean? Like maybe I, mean, maybe you could send Kamala Harris, but even then, they they'd be extremely angry. So um, it's kind of a, uh, they're operating in the language of diplomacy here, and so that's why Pelosi is important. You know, it's not
1: like she, it's not like she went over there with a briefcase of. Hundred
0: billion dollars in it, saying here's Taiwan. I hope you keep the shit out of China. I I don't. Yeah, no, I. It's it's not like that, but it's you know it's um look. Let's be honest. Taiwan I hope it
1: wasn't like
0: that because I mean, as long as they
1: don't come fight over here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well. I hope she wouldn't
0: do something like that. But here's the thing, Taiwan. If if we're looking at this from real politic, look, Taiwan is Taiwan itself, is um not maximally strategically important to the US. It would it's um, you know if 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 the Chinese government, let's just say for argument's sake, um, China were to invade Taiwan tomorrow, they have an easy day of it, and they, they take Taiwan in. Um, it does possess strategic importance for us, but it is not um, uh, it is not, you know maximally strategically uh, important and not something that, you know US power would be, um, immediately degraded uh, as a result. Now um, what it is extremely important for is um, as a signal uh, of. US power And actually I'm, I, you know as I said that it is it is important because it does provide a naval buffer between China and um, uh, you know the Pacific Ocean and it would allow China to uh, operate more freely. So actually I'm sorry so it is strategically important, but it's real important, um, you know, basically, is it's it's a democracy in Asia. It's a fully functioning democracy. Uh, it's a U.S. ally, and it is it's 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 psychologically, it's 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 basically the um, it's it's almost kind of the the red a red line a psychological red line has been drawn between Taiwan and China, and China wants it. The U.S. doesn't want it to have it, and uh, it's it is it is about two two you know two um, giant gorillas beating their chests um, you know over this banana that they both think is much much more important than it actually is. I mean, like if China if China were to all of a sudden abandon all of its um, desires and ambitions on Taiwan, it would continue to grow and continue to um, prosper economically. Actually, economically, it might even be in China's best interest to. Um, to, you know, uh, uh, abandon its desire to invade Taiwan because it has less of a threat of sanctions and it would continue to be able to operate in markets, um, you know, across the world. But, you know, it, in great power politics, man, like, um, it's all about power and it's all about projecting it and what you got and that's that's what's going on here. You know what I'm saying? So You
1: gotta,
0: you gotta love
1: politics. Yep. So, Politics is keeping politics is keeping some hundred eight year old Asian lady eating her favorite donut. Yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah. So that's it. All right. Well, we got anything else? Anything else you guys want to add about Taiwan and China? No.
1: No, really, it's been a one hell of a week for. Yeah. Foreign policy. Yep. I wonder, if they play, I wonder
0: if they play Chinese checkers in Taiwan. <laughs> they they do. They probably call it something different. They probably call it like, I don't know, Taiwanese checkers or something. So, all right. All right. Well, that should do it. Maxwell, what are your final thoughts about what we discussed or anything at all? Oh,
1: uh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, like I said, it's been an interesting week. Uh, you know, sometimes the freaking world feels like it's on fire, but you know, there's also positive things in this world. So, just remember that, and I guess my advice to people is just uh, be part of the positive.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Amen. Harp, what do you got?
1: I can echo on that. Let's do something nice for somebody you and you'll, you'll be happy.
0: All right, very good. Yep, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that as well. So the last couple of weeks, I have uh, been paying less attention to the news, and my mental health has been much better for it. And I love discussing all of these, you know, international relations and this national security stuff. But I um, I do have to admit, like uh, uh, back when I was twenty, I, September eleventh happened when I was twenty one, and um, even though I was horrified by it. Um, Afterwards, uh, you know, there was a part of me that was really excited that we were going to go to war. And, like, not because I wanted to see people die, but just because I was a 21-year-old kid and had never seen uh, anything like that. And I kind of imagine, you know, people, if you were a 21-year-old kid um, when Pearl Harbor happened, you would probably be excited to, you know, go enlist and run down and go um, kick some butt because when you're 21... Um, and a young man—that's like exactly what you want to do. Now that I'm forty-two, and watching this uh, happen, I when I first read about um, Pelosi going over and the um, Chinese reaction, my uh, the Chinese military action, my um, first thought—I got I got kind of anxious, I got kind of nervous, and I'm like, man, I don't want to see this shit go down. And I'm sure that there are a bunch of twenty-year, twenty-one-year-old Marines who are, who would love to go over and get some in China, and, and even young men across America right now who, if something, a, a, a Pearl Harbor-like attack were to happen, um, would go and enlist and would be real excited and go down and do it, but man, my fucking 42-year-old, old man, father ass, uh, definitely wants to see cooler heads prevail, want to see everybody mellow out, um... Would much rather see the status quo of saber rattling and then nothing happen for the rest of my life than for uh, the US and China to go to war because it would be a horrible one. So, that said, um, yeah. Anything else, fellas? Well, that's
1: it, brother, for me. All right. No, man, I'm here. All right,
0: everybody. Thank you so very much. We love talking to you. Stay positive uh if you listen to the news do it minimally turn it off go hang out with your families make somebody around you smile and if you if they smile if you can make them smile i'm sure they're passing that smile on somebody else so we love you all and we will see you next week